0: Hey, today we are coming to the end of our study of Ephesians chapter 6 and in this chapter as we've seen, the Apostle Paul addresses the topic of spiritual warfare and he talks about how we can stand firm and stand strong when we face spiritual battles and we're living in a moment right now in time where everyone in some way is facing a spiritual battle with all that's happening in our world, in our nation, in our lives right now. And so Paul's encouragement here in this chapter, at least for me, has been a lifeline to cling to when I've felt weak and when I've been struggling to stay strong during these last few months. And Paul began this section of Scripture, as we saw a few weeks ago, by saying these words. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then Paul tells us how to put on and take up the armor of God in the following verses. He says, fasten the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. He says, take up the shield of faith and put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And now today, Paul concludes this whole passage by saying that in the midst of spiritual battles, we must be praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, he says, keep alert. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And Paul says here that in our spiritual battles, whether it's coronavirus or loneliness or fear or racial injustice or whatever you're facing, we must be covered with the armor of God and armed with the weapons to fight against the things that wage war against our soul. We need to be armed with things like truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and the scriptures. But in all of this, he says today that we must be motivated and empowered through prayer. And if you notice, Paul doesn't list prayer as another weapon or another piece of armor that we should put on. In doing so, Paul's essentially saying that prayer is not something that a soldier puts on or takes off before a battle, but prayer is the means by which we march forward and advance and take ground and fight. And in this passage, Paul says that we are to pray at all times, with all prayer and supplication. And it's important for us to notice that he says both prayer and supplication. Other translations say petition. And right here, Paul moves from the general to the specific. And so all prayer is a general way of telling us to pray. But he says all prayer and supplication, which is a specific type of prayer. And the most basic definition of prayer, generally speaking, is that it is communion with God. So prayer is any time where you're paying attention to God's presence. It's any time that you're talking to Him or listening to Him or simply being with Him. These are all, uh, there are all sorts of prayers and types of prayer that can fall into that category, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But Paul then mentions a specific type of prayer, supplication or petition, or perhaps we might even say protest. Supplication is letting your requests be made known to God. Supplication is telling God where you're hurting and struggling and then asking Him to intervene and do what only He can. And right now, we're all hurting. We're all struggling. Coronavirus has taken something from all of us. It's taken family members from some of you. It's taken jobs. It's taken income. It's taken mental health. It's taken our routine. It's taken that joy of just sitting at a restaurant with a friend. It's taking school and time with friends from our children, it's taking graduation and prom and sports from our students, and it's taking the joy of gathering with our church family each week. And supplication in a time like this is a form of prayer where we can confess to God all that we've lost and all the ways that we're hurting and ask Him to intervene. Supplication is saying to God, God, do something. I also think of the protests that are happening throughout our nation right now. You know, we've come to this tipping point in our country where people are fed up with racism and injustices and equality within various systems and institutions, and particularly in the way that our policing system is built up in the United States and the way it's carried out. And people are hitting the streets right now, and they're writing to their elected leaders, and they're petitioning their authorities for change to policy. That's a form of supplication. I mean, but you know, one of the statements I keep hearing lately, both in regards to the pandemic and the protests, and I hear this on social media and I see this from well-meaning people, but it's this mockery that many people direct toward Christians who engage in prayer in times of crisis. People will mock Christians and they'll say, we don't need thoughts and prayers right now. We need you to do something. And listen, I get what they're saying. There needs to be action. Christians are called to be people of action, but in the way that we fight the virus and the way we fight injustice and all sorts of other things. But there's this idea that in the midst of a fight and in the midst of a battle, prayer is nothing but use, a useless exercise and futility. But if you understand the power of prayer and what it does and what it's able to do and who it's calling upon, you would know that prayer is not us whining to an imaginary friend, but it is us calling upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to intervene and do something about the pain. And the suffering in our world and so there's two things I want you to see this morning about prayer and supplication that I think and I think both of these things apply directly to the situations that we find ourselves in today and the first is this supplication is a form of protest and petition you see when we pray we are campaigning to what we believe is the highest authority in all the universe Therefore, when we come to God in prayer, that in itself is a form of honor and worship because by coming to Him and asking of Him, we are confessing that He is sovereign over all of this world and that He has the power to change what is broken. And if you notice, you you know, if you, as you watch what's going on in our country right now, if you notice the most effective protests are when they appeal to those with the power to change. And in the last several weeks, in, in the wake of George Floyd's death and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, protesters have hit have taken to the streets, and in most of these marches, the routes that they walk are not arbitrary. See, protesters are gathering very strategically in front of police precincts and in front of Capitol buildings and courthouses. And the point is that the people are taking their protests to the place of the greatest power, and they're campaigning to those who have the authority to fix what is believed to be broken. And so when you come to God in prayer, you are therefore confessing that He has the power and the authority to fix what is broken in your life and in our world. You're confessing that you believe that sin has broken and distorted parts of God's creation, and you are calling upon the Creator to restore His world back to its design. Karl Barth said that to clasp our hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. Desmond Tutu said that if governments knew just how subversive prayer was, they would ban it. You see, many people say, we need more than your thoughts and prayers right now, or they roll their eyes when we say we're, we're gathering for prayer. And I understand the sentiment, action is needed. But the God that I read about in the Bible and the God that I pray to when I get on my knees and when I close my eyes and when I lift my hands, He is not some distant deity that is unconcerned with my cries. When I pray, I am petitioning the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and I am pleading for His kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, prayer is going above and around the powers and authorities of this world, and it is appealing to the highest authority. Do not for one second think that prayer is a waste of your time when you are facing spiritual battles. Whether it's coronavirus, injustice, poverty, sickness, fear, temptation or whatever. First Peter 5:7 says, "Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord, because He cares for you. We are to take our burdens to the one who can lift them. And this is written all over the pages of the scriptures, this idea of praying as a form of protest. When David was unjustly being hunted to be murdered by the wicked King Saul, he petitioned and protested to God and he said, "O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. When Daniel was suffering under a godless king and in a culture that oppressed his people and tried to strip them of their identity. He cried, Oh my God, incline your ear and open your eyes and see my people's desolation. Prayers of petition and protest are written all over the pages of the scripture. You know, when my wife and I were adopting our oldest son internationally, there was a point where There was a really long delay in our paperwork, and there were some geopolitical conflicts that were threatening the possibility of us finalizing our adoption, and all this time our son was living in an orphanage, and every day spent in that orphanage was another day that he was not in a home with a family and with a name. And every day that he was in that orphanage was one more day where Rebecca and I had to walk past an empty nursery in our room and grieve the pain of being apart from our son. And that was a painful season. It was one of the most painful seasons of our marriage. And during that time, we got on our knees every single night on the floor of his empty nursery, and we called upon God to bring our son home. And we prayed, God, you are the father to the fatherless, and you hate that children are suffering in orphanages, and you hate that children are born without a family, and your desire is to see orphans given a family and a home and a name and an inheritance. So God, come through right now, do your will, and bring our boy home. Now listen, my wife is one of the fiercest activists and advocates for orphans and foster children in in all of the city of New York. She's a social worker for multiple adoption agencies. She counsels birth mothers through the challenge of the adoption process. She cares for them throughout their pregnancy and beyond. She recruits and trains and resources loving families to take in children in need of a home. and She raises awareness by speaking on the radio and television, and she advocates before government officials on behalf of orphans, and no one in this world can question her activism. But I'm here to tell you, as a front, up-close, front-row witness to all of her work, her moments of greatest advocacy were those days in our son's bedroom when she was face down on the floor crying out to God and pleading for Him to do what only He can do. And it took persistence, months and months and months of persistent prayers. And sometimes that's what it's going to take in your life, persistence in your prayers. But for us, God heard our cries and He brought our Son home. Church, I want you to see that when you are in spiritual battles, time in prayer is never wasted time. Time in prayer is time spent petitioning the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's so much in our lives right now that is bringing pain and confusion and fear and anxiety. And supplication is a form, uh, is a form of, that, of protesting what is broken in this world and petitioning a loving God to intervene and heal our lives and our nation. And Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, Will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? And the answer is no. So people of God, take your request to God second thing I want you to see this morning is that when we face spiritual battles, it's in prayer where we experience God's presence in the midst of our struggles. You see, prayer is experiencing the presence of God. In this verse, the Apostle Paul says that we are to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And for years, I've been so confused by that statement. You know, I heard that and it's like, pray at all times. I'm like, at all times? Like, how's that even possible? Like, nobody can pray all of the time. And I read that and I thought to myself, you know, Paul maybe didn't mean exactly what he said. He's a preacher, so he's just trying to hammer his point. And, but then I read that and it just keeps showing up all over the New Testament. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says that we're to pray without ceasing Jesus himself says in Luke 18, he says, And he told the people a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You see, praying at all times is a command that runs throughout the entirety of the New Testament. And so at some point we have to wrestle with what does this mean? And I think the answer is within the text. The passage says that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. Some translations say all types of prayer. So what does it mean to pray in the spirit with all types of prayer? What does it mean to pray at all times? Just before Jesus was crucified, he told his disciples, he says, look guys, I'm gonna die, but I'm not gonna leave you alone. He actually says to them, it's better that I die, rise from the dead, ascend to heaven and leave you than it would be if I stayed with you all this time. That's a hard statement for me to wrap my mind around because these disciples, they've been following Jesus for nearly three years and they spent every waking hour with Him. They ate with Him. They talked with Him. They listened to Him. They poured their hearts out to Him. They laughed with Him and joked with Him. They enjoyed His friendship. And I'm sure that on many long journeys and many late nights, they simply just sat in silence with Him. And they, it, all they knew was being in the presence of Jesus and that changed their whole lives. And now Jesus says to them, hey guys, I'm leaving. And that's a good thing for you. You know they've got to be confused. They're like, "God, God, Jesus, how can that be a good thing? But he said to them, he said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And who is the helper? The helper is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, look. I'm going to leave, I'm going to ascend to heaven, and then I'm going to send my spirit to dwell within you. In Matthew 28, 18-20, which we recite together every week, Jesus says that through His Spirit, He will be with us always, even to the ends of the earth. And you need to know that that is a promise that applies not only to His closest disciples, But to all of us who follow Him, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ is with you. That means that just like Jesus walked with Peter and John and Mary Magdalene, He walks with you and with me. He is with us. So when Paul says, pray in the Spirit, he's saying recognize that the Holy Spirit of God is with you and you can enjoy His presence at all times. You know, I think we complicate prayer so much, don't we? And that's why we're so bad at it. We turn prayer into this rigid, dear God, bless this day, and know these and thous, and we think of prayer as something that we only do when we need to ask something from God or whatever and But prayer in the spirit is simply recognizing that God is with us and communing with him and enjoying and experiencing his presence. You know it's been over three months since the coronavirus put us all in a lockdown, and for me, that means that I haven't seen my friends in quite a while and Last week, you know, some of the restrictions started to lift, and one of my buddies from our church called and he said, Hey, man, you want to come hang out? We can sit on my stoop, we'll social distance, and we'll hang out together. And so I was like, Yeah, sounds great. So I went over to his place the other night and we just sat on his sidewalk for three hours and we just talked about nothing in particular, really, just whatever was on our minds. And some of it was meaningful. We talked about work, marriage, kids, our faith. But some of it was trivial. We talked about whether or not not college football will happen this fall or who we think will win the NBA playoffs if they happen next month. But the point was was that we were together experiencing and enjoying each other's presence and friendship. See, this was my friend. When I was on my way over to his house, I wasn't studying or rehearsing what I was going to say to him. And I didn't worry about making sure my language sounded just right when I talked to him. I just sat with him and talked about the things that were on my mind, and that was good for my soul to be with a friend. And this is an imperfect picture, but a picture nonetheless of what prayer ought to be with God. The Spirit is with us. And instead of trying to make sure that you're doing this thing called prayer correctly, perhaps Spirit-filled prayer that strengthens us is simply sitting in the presence of God and talking about what's on our minds and our hearts. Perhaps it's just sitting in silence with Him when you don't have the words to say. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer. You know, in the midst of this pandemic and in the midst of this political divide in our nation and in the midst of constant reminders and of injustice, we need to know that prayer is not less than petitioning God to fix what is broken in this world. But we also need to know that it's also far more than that. Prayer is letting God's presence be with us in the midst of our pain. It's being honest with Him about how we feel and simply resting in His presence. All of us are facing spiritual battles right now and it is comforting to know that God can and will win the victory over sin, sickness, evil, death, and injustice in the end. And it is comforting to know that we can petition and call upon the God of the universe to fix what is broken in our lives. But it's also comforting to know That as we walk through these battles, God is with us in the midst of the fight. You see, the beauty of Christianity is that God is not some far-off deity that simply watches us suffer from a distance. The beauty of Christianity is that God steps down from heaven, is born as a poor child to an ordinary family in a forgotten town. He felt the pain of sickness. He knew the pain of injustice. He was crucified at the hands of an unjust religious and political system. So no matter what you're facing today, you can offer your fears and anxieties and burdens to Him because He can relate. And He can relate because He became like us and He died our death on the cross. But we can also petition Him and plead with Him to change what is broken and to heal the places where we are hurting because we know that He has the power to overcome these things and to conquer these things. And we know this because He defeated death when He rose from the dead. We, he proved that He alone has the authority to fully defeat the powers of evil and death. And so we fasten the belt of truth and we put on the breastplate of righteousness and we strap on the shoes of, feet, uh, of peace and we take up the shield of faith and we put on the helmet of salvation and we take up the sword of the Spirit with confidence because we know that whatever battles we are facing, Jesus has already won the ultimate victory. And in all these things we pray We pray because we know that God is powerful. We pray because we know that God is good. And we pray because we know that God is with us. So we pray. We pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So let me pray for you this morning, Crossroads. Father in heaven, we thank you that we have access to you. That because Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sin and died the death that we deserve, we can be reconciled to you and we can talk to you in prayer. And we can petition you to fix the broken things in our lives and we can call upon you to fix what is broken in this world. God, we can rest in your comfort when we're hurting and we don't even know the words to say. God, we thank you for prayer. And I pray, God, that we would be a people of prayer that are committed to praying at all times in your spirit. And I pray that as we pray, God, not only would we be comforted by your presence, but we would see your mighty hand do mighty things in our world today. And so, God, it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.